the spring application deadline for Indiana Bible College. That's right. If you want to be here in January, you need to apply by December 9th. Go to our website, indianabible.college, for more information. We have been getting questions, when do we get tickets for IBC Live? I'm happy to tell you we are releasing tickets December 15th. And this year, you can buy tickets not only to the event itself on Friday, but we are also making available a general admission discounted ticket for the Thursday night rehearsal. We would love to have you at either evening for IBC Live. Indiana Bible College is committed to training tomorrow's apostolic ministers today. And this is the Indiana Bible College podcast. Today on the podcast, we have the Director of Marketing, Kevin Brzezinski, preaching a message in chapel entitled, You Can Get There From Here. This is a message that is geared toward people somewhere at the beginning of their call trying to get to where God wants them to be. Let's get right to it. Chapel, IBC, you can get there from here. Amen. Give a hand clap to the Lord right now. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for what we feel in this place, Jesus. It is your spirit that makes the difference. We love you, Lord. If you would uh, turn in your Bibles to Galatians 3. Starting in verse 1, that's where I'll take my text. And if you would remain standing for just a moment, I want to thank Blaze and the worship team. What a phenomenal job. What a great spirit we feel in this place. And I'm just convinced today that the Lord wants to do something beyond, beyond what mankind can accomplish. You just feel the Lord wanting to do something in this place. And we want the Lord to have his way. Amen. And I I appreciate the words of your campus pastor already. There's a path forward. And if you want to receive something from the Lord, you must first just have that hope that something is possible. I can be ministered to. The Lord has something for me. I've been through church services where I didn't even maybe have that kind of hope. And the problem was me. But the Lord can help us. And I I want to say what a great campus pastor and family you have in the Turners. Amen. Yes, that's appropriate. Amen. And uh, Brother Turner, I I can sympathize with you having little kids at home, and it's it's a struggle, but it, it reiterates to me how important family is and who you marry, and I'm so thankful for my wife who is not here today. She's back home watching online, watching our two babies, so... I love you, and uh, I, I, love, I love the Lord's choice for me. It's a blessing, and I give honor to brother and sister Galleon. There's nobody else I would rather work for here at Indiana Bible College than the Galleons. I love and appreciate them so much. I give honor to Pastor Carson and this entire staff, and I always want to point out Brother Sleva whenever he's in the building and say, that man right there means so much to me. He, he baptized me. He helped me. He helped me so much. And maybe I'll talk a little bit about that today. Um, I'm going to hasten on, uh, but I also want to give a shout out to Brother Ross, Sister Di. Y'all are awesome. 
So I see you back there. Nobody, nobody does announcements quite like you. In fact, maybe you should have done all these salutations for me. It would have been more exciting. Galatians 3, starting in verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you, that ye should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. This only would I learn of you, received ye of the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? And I want to read one more verse in Hebrews 12 and 2. You don't need to turn there. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. I want to preach for just a few moments. You can get there from here. You can. You can get there from here. As you're being seated, would you just lift your hands and pray, Lord, we love you. We thank you for what you're doing. Jesus, we want you to have your way in this place. Lord, do what only you can do. We trust you, Lord. We honor you. Have liberty in this place. Let your will be done today. And we'll give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. And you can be seated. You know, I mentioned right at the beginning I would talk about Brother Sleva. I ran into Scott Whitley at Mark Conference, and he sent me pictures from 2010, a trip we took out west. And we were, I was skinnier for one. You looked, you looked about the same. Uh, but Brother Sleva has been instrumental in my life uh, from soon after I came to Indianapolis, but I did not intend to, to move here. <laughs> it's not what I wanted. Uh, I didn't grow up here. I grew up in Wisconsin, and it was not my plan to move to Indianapolis. Uh, I had visited Calvary a number of times because I have an aunt and uncle who, who live here, and I came for baby dedications or a Messiah play. Anybody remember the Messiah plays? Like four of you, that's okay. Uh, but, but me coming here, let alone me being an apostolic Pentecostal or, or me being in ministry or, or working at IBC was never part of the plan. In fact, somewhere between my sophomore and junior year in college, I stopped going to church completely. And it was not until somewhere in my junior year in college that my grandmother began to come and knock on my door on Sunday mornings and my grandfather would walk into the house past, Lord knows what he saw in that house, but he'd come, come up and get me and get me to church and I would go to Pentecostal Assembly in Eau Claire where, if you know uh, Brother Josh Anderson, that's where he pastors today. And it was not my plan at any point to be here, to be, to be here at Indiana Bible College or to be here in Indianapolis. But one day across a lunch table, my grandma said to me, Kevin, I think you need to go to Indianapolis and intern with your uncle. And I have to tell you, I had my own summer all planned. I was gonna go up north in northern Wisconsin and work at a tube and canoe rental place, run people down the river, pick them up when they were done, it was going to be a fun summer. 
just hanging out outdoors, doing whatever you do there. And, and that was my plan. But when my grandma said that to me, I could just tell and I could feel it wasn't just my grandma saying, hey, go do this because you'll make money, it'll be good for your career, but I really felt there was something more than just my grandma when she spoke those words and I knew immediately this is what God wants. Now, I I didn't even have the Holy Ghost at that point, but I can tell you there was something about that moment where I felt this is what the Lord wants. And so I came and I interned, and it was only supposed to be a summer internship, and I never left. I stayed here in Indianapolis. I soon met Brother Sleva and was baptized, and the rest is history. But sometimes people ask me, like Brother Stumbo asked me the other day, <laughs> how is it that you got here to IBC? And, and I think about that, and and. People ask me that from time to time. I think you were sincere in the way that you asked it, but some people ask it, and it's, it's a little bit incredulous the way they ask it. Like, now how did you <laughs> end up at IBC? It's like, you know, is, are you related to the Galleons, or are you a Turner as well? I mean, what's going on here? Like, what's the family connection that got you in the door? I'm not real sure about this, and... and And the first time anybody asked me that, I just said, you know what? I thought about it for a quick moment, and I said, I I don't know. I don't know how I got here. Uh, And that's an unsatisfactory answer for the person asking, but that's kind of the truth. I, I I could tell you the factual information about how this person asked me, and then this lined up, and I could give you all those facts, but the fact of the matter is, is I don't really understand how it is I got here. I don't really fully understand the steps and why God brought me here and what I'm doing here altogether. I know I do do some marketing stuff day to day, but you understand what I'm saying. You don't really understand the will and purpose of God in your life. And I could make something up and just say, yeah, uh, you know, Brother Rodenbush saw that I was so talented, he just wanted to have me here, or, you know, I got my education, and I was at Calvary, and this is how it went, but, you know, that story may or may not be factual. I mean, it might be factual, but it might not be objectively true, right? Because whatever is objectively true is what God sees. Objective truth, whatever it is, is the way God sees things. So I could give you my story and say, okay, th- this is the, the way that I got here to IBC. This is my story. But what I would be doing in recounting or telling that story does not so much tell you about objective truth the way God sees it. It could just be me telling you a story. And stories are interesting. Now, stories are interesting because it tells you a lot about the storyteller in this case. If I begin to tell you how I got to IBC, it's not necessarily that that story is true, but here's what you do with a story. You begin to interpret facts, and what you do with stories is you don't go through the mundane details. You just give the most meaningful and pertinent information. 
and you interpret and you ascribe meaning to events and to happenings. And so if I were to begin to tell that story and say, well, Brother Stumbo, uh, this is how I got here. It's because I'm so savvy and, and blah, 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 blah. That says more about me than the truth. And the reality is I don't really know. I look back over 15 years of hindsight and looking at what the Lord did in my life from Wisconsin to now, and I'd like to tell you I know, but I don't fully know. I don't fully understand what God has been doing, but I can tell you this, it was not my plan. I didn't, I didn't come to Indianapolis because there's a Bible college there and I want to maneuver my way in. I didn't even know IBC existed when I moved here. I remember Brother Sleva walking me through the building, and I thought, why are you showing me this? I don't even want to go here. <laughs> and then I went here, and I fell in love with it, and here I am today, but I don't fully understand the way it all went. But I want to tell you that you can get here. You can get there from here. That's what I want to preach to you today. You can get there from here. I came across this interesting phrase. Is anybody from the Northeast in this place? Like very few of you, okay. There's this phrase that they evidently use in the state of Maine, you can't get there from here. Has anybody heard that phrase? Nobody? Okay, just curious. <laughs> so evidently in Maine, they use this phrase, you can't get there from here. So I picture... Like if you're at a gas station, you're talking to the old person there and they're self-service, they'll pump their, your gas for you and you say to this gentleman, hey, how do you get to such and such a place? I just pictured this old grizzled person saying, well, you, you can't get there from here. It's such an odd phrase, you can't get there from here. And I, I, when I heard it, I couldn't not forget it. I just came back to it. You can't get there from here. It's so odd because... You can always get there from here. There's always a way to get there from here. I mean, even if you need like a boat or a helicopter or mountain climbing gear, there is a way to get there from here. There's always a way to get there from here. Uh, but at least for me, I know this is probably not for all, maybe some of you, but at least for me, you can't get there from here is exactly the way I felt when I first got into church. I mean, I walked into Calvary Tabernacle. I mean, I was, I was messed up. And I walk in and, and Pastor Mooney's preaching and all the saints are just worshiping and there's a, a powerful move of the Holy Ghost and it is so easy to just feel like, wow, look at this. And have this feeling of, I, I can't get there from here. I, I, I don't even know that I can fit in into this congregation, let alone do something like preach. I just can't get there from here. And then coming to IBC, I wasn't even in church that long when I came to IBC, and you see people like Brother Galleon preaching, and you see people who are so anointed and talented, and you, maybe you look at Sister Galleon leading worship and, and moving in the Spirit, and it's so easy to think to yourself, I can't get there from here. Or you see Brother Rodenbush, who's not here, who's been to, I don't know, 150 countries? How many countries are there? 
He might have been to more countries than exist. I don't know. It's, it's incredible. But it's easy to look at that and say, wow, I just, I don't see a way that I can get there from here. Or hanging out with Brother Sleva or seeing Pastor Carson preach, it is so easy to say to ourselves, we can't get there from here. But I want to say so clearly, you can get there from here. Oh, how can I say that so boldly and so authoritatively? Because the Lord is no respecter of persons. And if the Lord can do it for me or for a Pastor Juan Lopez or the Lord can do it for you. The Lord is no respecter of persons. You can get there from here. Now, I don't know what there looks like for you. Maybe it looks different than what you're picturing. But you can get there from here. Now, I have the privilege in theology of ministry, which, by the way, you're welcome for canceling this morning. Hallelujah. Wow. If I could just get that kind of response throughout the message, that would be fantastic. Wow. Just need to cancel class to get some, okay. But I get to read papers in that class, and one of the papers uh, that many of you have gone through the class is the My Calling paper, and that's a paper that Brother Kilman put into the curriculum, and I love that paper because it allows students to begin to write about their calling, but inevitably what happens when you're writing about your calling is you're not just writing about your future calling, but you begin to tell your story. Every time you begin to tell your story, you begin to look back at the history of your life and what you've been through, and you begin to tell a story. You don't give me all the details, but you begin to hit those meaningful points in your life and say, this is what impacted me and this affected me emotionally and this is why I think that maybe this is the way God is directing me. And you begin to put meaning and ascribe meaning to the events of your past. Now that's interesting. Now I don't know that this is true, but one psychologist said that who we are, our identity, is something like the story we tell ourselves. Now that is interesting. Because the story you're telling yourself may be true, it may not be true. The story that you're telling yourself may be in line with Scripture and the will and purpose of God, or you may have ascribed some kind of meaning to the events of your life that have nothing to do with the will and purpose of God. And so when you write a paper like that, you are, you are wrestling with what does my story look like in context of the will and purpose of God? And can I say somebody, you need, if you have never done it, to look at your past through the lens of the will of God. You need to look at your past and not just say, this is what the devil did and, and, and evil will win. And what is God doing with your life? What does the word of God want to do with your past? There's something powerful about reframing your story and saying, but the Lord, but the Lord. I'm gonna steal what, what Brother Turner said. There's a path forward. I don't care what happened to you. And if you look around on the pews, you would be surprised at how many different issues exist in this place. Divorce in families, backslidden parents, 
anxiety, depression. I'm not saying necessarily that's where you're at today, but in your past, on the pew next to you, there's all these issues. But I want to say one more time, you can get there from here. You know, my parents left the apostolic church. I stopped going to church. Pastor Lopez was a felon. (laughs) You can get there from here. Now, the question, I think it's a good question, is where is there? That's a fair question. Because there may not look like you being campus pastor. And there may not look like you being pastor of Calvary Tabernacle. So where is there? There may not look like you being Brother Rodenbush or being regional director of a a mission. And it's hard to say what there looks like for you. It's really hard to say. Because what is there? Now, I think we sometimes get ego involved. I think we sometimes try, and, and even in Bible college, it's easy to, to compare callings and, and try to call ourselves to things that maybe it's not the will and purpose of God for us to even do. And so where is there? I don't know where there is for you, but I know what it looks like. It looks like obedience to the Spirit of God. And it looks like walking every day just doing what you know God wants you to do. And so when you're thinking, well, how do I get there? you got to be careful not to have ego involved or pride involved. you got to be careful because only by pride comes contention. And there's a, there's a way in which we, man, we compete with one another if we're not careful. We can do that at Bible college. With maybe not even realizing it, we can begin to compete with our brother and sister, and before we know it, we are chasing after the wrong there. But I want to give you my sermon right here. Wherever there is, you can get there. And the way that you get there is the same way you started this journey, and it's walking with the Spirit. That, that's the trick. That's the secret what you've begun doing in the Spirit, you finish in the Spirit. Now, that sounds easy. It's a little bit trickier than that. Going back to Galatians 3 that we read in the beginning, Paul is writing to a church that was filled with the Spirit and walking with God. And then later, some Judaizers, some teachers came in and began to teach them that Well, what you really need to do to be mature and perfect, what you really need to do to get from here to there is you need to add to your faith some of these behavioral modifications. You need to make sure and you're following this law and this ordinance. And Paul says, are ye so foolish, having begun in the flesh, are ye now made perfect in the spirit? Now, Brother Brown, we don't have any Judaizers necessarily going around trying to get us to go back to the law. But the principle that's being talked about is very true and very applicable. The principle here, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect in the flesh? 
that principle still applies. That principle still applies and it will be presented to you if not 100 times, maybe 1,000 times in the course of your ministry. It is so easy for us to come to Bible college, to be in an environment where it's a bigger pond than our home church. And we come here and we think, God, I thought you had great plans for my life. And I come here and I'm no longer the best. I am no longer the best preacher, the best singer. I no longer really see how you're going to pull this off. And the temptation is to begin to compare and evaluate our life in the light of talent and ability and what other people can do. That's the temptation. But if we believe that God is the author and the finisher of our faith, if we believe that when we were filled with the Holy Ghost, he began to write a story with our life, that when we were filled with the Holy Ghost, there, there was an authorship of the Spirit in our life that began to govern our steps and began to govern our destiny and began to govern everything about our life. If he is the author of this process, if he is the author of your calling, you better believe he will also be the finisher. You better believe that what God has started in your life, he is invested in finishing. I say this all the time to the class of theology of ministry. God is more invested in your calling than even you are. God is invested in you completing this journey. Well, how can you say that with such, such clarity? Well, it's simply because God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so that means you are the messenger, that souls depend on you fulfilling wherever there is, wherever fulfillment is, wherever your calling is, there are souls dependent on you reaching that place. And so God has invested in you for souls. God is not willing that you fail because that could mean there's people that aren't being reached. And because God cares about souls, God is invested in you. So Jesus Christ is the author and the finisher of our faith. And what he has begun, he will complete. But there is a temptation when we come, I think throughout ministry, but here's where you're living. It's like I came to Bible college and there's a thousand struggles at Bible college. I mean, there are. And to some degree, there's a human element. There's, there's mixing with people, and, and I've got to work through some of my issues, but there's a spiritual element too. And it's all coming together, and you've got all these different personalities and people, and it's coming together. And you may be thinking to yourself, God, I thought things would be better here at Bible college. I mean, I thought people would like me. <laughs> And maybe you are liked and maybe you are popular, but sometimes you come in and it's like, wow, there are things in my own emotional makeup and in my own personality, and I'm just coming into conflict with people, and I didn't even know this was in me, and, and it just feels like the Lord is working on me and working on me. 
Or it's like, God, I thought I'd have a boyfriend or a girlfriend by now. What is happening? I, I, I just thought, come on, I'd see, <laughs> I'd see the path forward. I mean, my goodness. Or, or you come and you think, man, I thought I would see the way that God would begin to use me and the doors for ministry. And you are tempted, if you're not careful, to say, well, what I need to do is I need to reinvent myself and I need to grab the pen out of the Lord's hand and I need to figure out a way to level up. You know, the first time I ever heard the phrase, what got you here won't get you there. That's, that's the only way I've ever heard it. What got you here won't get you there. And there's a book by that title, and I'm sure it's a good book. I've not read it. But that's the only way I've heard that phrase. What got you here won't get you there. And I always interpreted that phrase to mean something like, if you want to make it and succeed, you've always got to level up. You've always got to learn something new or work harder or pray more or, or outcompete your brother or sister. If you're going to make it, you need to hustle. And there's something okay about what I would call hustle culture, like go, go, go. I mean, it's not all bad. But the danger in it is that you come into Bible college and you think the way I'm going to move forward is I need more skill and I need, to, I need to improve my ability. I need to get better. I need more connections. I need, to, I need to be uber spiritual, and if my brother's praying this much, I need to pray more than my roommates. <laughs> if Brother Kilman is impressed by knowledge, I need to be the smartest person in the classroom. I mean, all of these kinds of things. This is real life where you say, okay, how do I, how do I measure up to my peers? And if I'm gonna move forward, maybe what got me here, it won't get me there. So I need to level up. And what that is, is it's carnal at its root. It's competition at its root. And it is by pride that comes contention. And you get a contentious outlook to say, and it's not what God intended, but you begin to compete and outwork and think that whatever God is doing in my life, I need to achieve more to get there or I will be a failure. And the reality of it, and there's nothing wrong, by the way, with with working at things. And you've come to Bible college probably to become something you were not already. That's fair. You've come to Bible college to learn some things. That's good. You've come to Bible college to be technically capable and equipped. Wonderful. But whatsoever is not of faith is sin. And you can get to a point where you say, God, this isn't working out. Let me write a few chapters in my ministry. Let me show you how I can be more popular. <laughs> Let me show you what, what I think people would appreciate. And you, you're tempted to grab the pen and reinvent yourself. And can I tell you clearly, what got you here will get you there. What got you here will get you there. The first time I ever heard that phrase was just a few weeks ago, and it blew me away because I had never heard it like that. I've always heard what got you here will not get you there, but in the kingdom of God, what got you here will get you there. It will. It will. 
And what got you here? I mean, really, think about it. What got you here? It probably wasn't that you were the most talented or, or something like this, but I know what probably got you here. It was probably in your bedroom or down at an altar, praying and seeking the face of God, and you just began to feel the presence of God sweep over you, and you said, God, yes. Whatever you want for my life, yes. Whatever you want me to give, yes. Wherever you want me to go, yes. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care where it leads me. Wherever you lead me, yes. And if that's what got you here, I promise you it will be enough to get you there. It will be enough to get you there. You don't have to worry. Well, God, you closed this door and I didn't make this group. How will I ever? God didn't ask you, are you talented? Are you gonna level up? Are you gonna, God said, if, if what got you here, if you can obey the voice of the spirit, and if you did that there, it will still be enough to get you where you're going. The temptation is that we begin to grab things in our flesh. And that's my temptation even beyond Bible college. It's like, well, we, we technically know what to do in marketing, so let's, let's, just, let's just grab it and let's, let's advance things in, in our flesh. And the next step in ministry or the next step in wherever God wants to take us, we could just take it and say, let's achieve some things and then let's, let's present our success and let's, let's network and let's figure out a way to promote ourselves. But what got you here? That is what will get you there. Not to some ministry or title. Maybe you can manipulate your way into a ministry or a title, but that does not the Christian make. And that does not the minister make. And you have nothing to offer this world outside the ministering of the Spirit. And so as soon as you remove yourself from that dynamic, you've not missed something. You've missed everything. You've missed the thing. I say this, forgive me using this analogy over and over again, but what you do in ministry is only through the Spirit. And so how foolish would it be if you saw people playing a game of football, full pads, running into each other, maybe there was a crowd cheering like, yeah, wow, but you look closely and there's no football, like, the football is kind of an essential part of the game. It's, it's no less foolish that we, as Pentecostals, begin our ministry yielding to the Spirit and working with the Spirit in some way, somehow, we still have crowds and we still have our uniforms, and yet we've missed the football. We've missed the moving of the Spirit in our churches and in our lives. How foolish would it be how foolish would it be to be playing football with no football? No more foolish than a Pentecostal minister ministering outside of the moving and will of the Spirit. Come on, would somebody raise their hands right now? Lord, we give you praise. We don't want to do anything without the moving and leading of your Spirit. God, we cannot do this on our own, and we don't want to try. We need you, God. We need you, Jesus.
Lord, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Come on, somebody needs to just settle it in your own mind and in your own spirit. God, I'm not going to try to grab the pen away from you. I'm not going to try to author my own ministry or my own life. But God, you write the best stories. God, you write the best stories. We were in a staff meeting just recently, and if the music would come, I'm getting ready to close. We were in a staff meeting, and and Brother Galleon began to recount a story of Brother Galleon addressing the staff at IBC. And, And he recounted, Brother Galleon did, that Pastor Mooney with just got serious for a moment and said, you know, the Spirit brought us together. The Spirit assembled us together. And when I look at my life and I say, how did I get here? (laughs) How did I get to IBC? I don't know. All I know for sure is that I felt the Lord leading me and I said yes. And that led to another, another opportunity to go left or right. And I felt the Lord saying, go that way. And I said yes, and I said yes, and I said yes, and I don't have another explanation for what in the world, how I got here, except that the Spirit somehow directed things together. And this, this is not some pinnacle like this is success in ministry because you work at IBC. Not what I'm saying. It's success for me because it's where God led me. And if God leads me somewhere else, that's success too. Because all I, all I have to do, what got me here will get me there. And it's just walking with him. Now, it's, it's a silly illustration maybe, but I've got, I think we've got some pens out here. It, does anybody have, can you bring those pens up? You know, I don't even apologize for the gimmick, so just deal with it. But we've got these pens and... It, and if you want to take one of these pens, they're available for you. But here's the illustration. Here's the point. How sad would it be if you get to be 40 or 60 or 80 and you look back on your life and you say, man, I'm comfortable. I mean, I've got, I've got money and I've got, I've got a good life. Everything's pretty comfy, but there's a nagging suspicion in your heart that you didn't do the will of God. You look back over your life and you say, man, I remember being at Bible college, it was awesome. I remember chapel services and feeling the spirit just just begin to convict and guide my life and it was powerful. And you begin to reflect on your life and you think, yeah, but there, I remember where it changed. Yeah, it was, it was somewhere around chapter three or was it chapter four of this story? I just, I insisted. God, the spouse is not coming fast enough. God, I wanted to be youth pastor and what am I doing at my home church just cleaning things? God, I, I'm gonna borrow this pen for a while. I'm just gonna write a few chapters if that's okay. I've got a better idea of how this could work out. 
and I'm going to write in a little more security, a little more money. I'm going to write in maybe, be, you know, the position in ministry I want to force a door open and get. So let me borrow the pen for a while. I feel like I can improve upon the story. And then chapter leads to chapter leads to chapter. And if you don't give it back, you've got a life that you know is not what God wanted for you. And so it's a very simple challenge. This is my challenge. Brother Turner, there's a path forward. There's a path forward. But you've got to let God be the author and the finisher. What he started, you must let him finish and not grasp at the story. You need to settle in your spirit. God, you write the best stories. You write the best stories. If you would stand with me. These altars are open as they begin to sing. I I, I challenge somebody, just solidify in your heart and in your spirit today. God, I trust you. I trust you. I don't see how I'm gonna get there from here. I really don't. It may look impossible, but God, I trust you that you are gonna write the story. What started in obedience to the Spirit, you will finish through obedience to the Spirit. Come on, somebody, I just push and and let the Lord just begin to work some things out. And maybe you need to reevaluate how you got here. There may be even things in your past that you need to say, God, I don't get how you could have been part of that story. But God can redeem your story. God can redeem your story and get you there from here.